gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. Hello and welcome to this, the latest episode of Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. I'm your host today, my name is Stephen Wilson, and today we are going to be talking about the history of the greatest match in many people's eyes in WWE history. No, we are not talking about a person on a pole match. No, we are talking about the Elimination Chamber ahead of the latest pay-per-view edition based on the match. But before we go on to talk about the history of this fantastic match, one match I love, I think it's absolutely brilliant, our usual wee bit of housekeeping that we're going to meet today's panel. You can subscribe to us on all good podcasting sites as iTunes, Spotify, or any good ones on Android. You can also follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Suplex Retweet. We have a website as well, suplexretweet.com, where you can find all our content. Plus, subscribe to our bonus feed, Suplex Retweet Extra, where you can hear so many great shows from all of our team. No doubt some of the guys here will plug said shows as we go on. No, I will never plug Alba Graps all about Scottish indie wrestling. I will never do that. Yeah, but it's not indie sausage roll, so enough about that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's meet today's panel. First, this first panellist has a face that looks like he's been smacked through a chamber glass door. Scott McLeod, everybody. <laughs> Fucking pop kettle, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I yeah, own it, and you know, I don't really care. Scotty grew up, it's alright. <laughs> Rubbish comeback. I didn't expect him to actually make a comeback. <laughs> he, always, he always takes me by surprise, I have nothing prepared. Sorry, I feel like. Up next! <laughs> he is this podcast's equivalent of the ECW version of the Elimination Chamber. Chris Murray, everybody! <laughs> <laughs> I looked up there, I was like, yeah, this is fucking me. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, Chris? Yeah, thanks for having me on. I am this year's Hardcore Holly, replacing Sabu, aka Ryan Wilson. Does ah, that reference work? You're embracing this. <laughs> yeah, so I'm delighted to be here. Absolutely. Now... There's a lot of things as testament to just what you can do. You know, anybody can win anything. Heck, even Ryback won an Elimination Chamber. <laughs> even more surprising, this man got somebody to marry him. Daniel Campbell! <laughs> <laughs> could say the same for you, Stephen. <laughs> do you want Cremace to bury the seat? <laughs> take the seat, take the seat, please. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll make it slow. <laughs> how can you do a slow cremation? <laughs> anyway, I digress. I digress. Daniel, how are you doing? Ah, not bad yourself. Yes, I'm fine. I'm getting absolutely roasted here. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> disrespectful panel this evening. Speaking of disrespectful, our final panellist is an expert in betrayals, much like Shawn Michaels in the Elimination Chamber to The Undertaker when he did anything to get what he wants. Sarah Grave, everybody. Yeah, that's not even a roast when I thought I could expect better than that. You can do better than that. Try again. No, no, I can't. <laughs> no, I can't. I, ha- I have, I have a limit. You know, and my limit ran out. Chris, pause, restart. Rude. He told Sorry. me to wear workboard night last week. That, that's a savage. I think that's sexist. How? Because <laughs> I said so. How is that sexist? No, that you, you, you used to put all on Chris Murray. That's not fair. Is that, yeah. because, is that because he's a guy? So, do you want to be compared to the ECW version of Elimination Chamber? There could have been worse things I could have been compared to. Yes, very true. But I was being nice. So, so sorry, what just happened? 
Never happy. Never happy. <laughs> Hi, Stephen. <laughs> Finally, as a man who took my advice from last week and is not wearing as much Adidas as normal. Quacku, Aji. Whoa, 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 whoa. You told me to wear more dyke. You disrespectful little, I will complete it. I am just wearing Adidas shoes. I've still got an Adidas sticker on my laptop and I've still got my Adidas headphones in. So stick that up your neck and smoke it. Yeah, I thought, I thought Scott went OTT with a cane, but you're Adidas on the laptop. It's like, whoa, man. I'm representing the brand, baby. They still won't sponsor Albuquerque Graps. No. Since when it's shown up in a cane mask for every every show going OTT, I don't see what the problem is here. Well, it, it does an improvement if you do that. <laughs> That's my intro. Anyway! <laughs> yeah, he, he, did a, he did it better than you did. <laughs> and I know it. Uh, right, let's go on to talking about the Elimination Chamber match. And I thought it was very appropriate that we start off with the inception of the Elimination Chamber, which went all the way back to 2002. Scott, since you're being a smart ass today, let's start off with you. Uh, he's, he's, not, he's not taking it personal at all. <laughs> I don't hold a grudge. <laughs> Alright, Scott, what, what was your feelings when you first heard about this U match? This match that was very well built up in that period in 2002. I remember, I don't think I've seen the first one show, I've just seen like like pictures of it in like a WWE magazine or I'd seen the odd uh, like video package showing like some of the spots like mainly from the first one, like Jericho going through one of the glass pods and stuff like that. The first one I actually remember seeing was in the third one in 2005. But I remember because I'd seen all the images and I'd never actually seen the structure, I'd just seen like footage of it. I was interested to actually get to finally see it because there seemed to be kind of this aura around this match because they'd only done it a couple of times before. So back then, before like we talked about gimmick pay-per-views and being named after a certain match state, this was when it was still very fresh to have a match like the Elimination Chamber. Yeah, I mean, uh, Daniel, the match and the idea behind the match, storyline, storyline-wise, anyway, was uh, Eric Bischoff didn't want his his company or his uh, brand, sorry, Raw, to be topped by SmackDown, who had had a very well acclaimed Hell in a Cell match the week the month before between Brock Lesnar and the Undertaker. Do you did you quite like the kind of storyline way that they brought this match into Inception in terms of not just saying here's a match we're going to do we're actually going to make some, actually make it feel big by that way yeah because like, you looked at the success of the Hell in a Cell match at No Mercy that year brought Lesnar versus the Undertaker for the WWE Championship that match was fantastic even if that includes Undertaker's pool of blood that he left then you get Eric Bischoff coming just saying no 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 I can do one better and Oleg Bischoff was always presented as a guy who was like that's good wait until you see what I do and so he comes out and introduces this match it was he said it was elements of war games survivor series and the royal rumble and that was the bit just saying that statement and saying it's called the elimination chamber that was the bit that can set people going okay this might be interesting and then you get your first exposure at survivor series yeah definitely Chris you're obviously one of the hosts of the Monday Night Rewind which features Mr Bischoff very heavily yep uh, do you think he was the best a great choice to introduce this you type of concept into the WWE brand yeah much like what Daniel was saying like Eric Bischoff was never happy he was always trying to top everything he was trying to top everything that was going on and obviously there was big like brand warfare back in that time of like Smackdown versus Raw and the Hell in a Cell match obviously was absolutely amazing and I remember I was one of those people that only had Smackdown and Bottom Line on Sky so I only caught like the highlights of Raw and I remember 
vividly all the promos that came out for the very first Elimination Chamber. It was all about talking about how many miles of steel it was and there was this one line that you hear Eric Bischoff saying in the promo, it was like, you will bear witness to the Elimination Chamber. Mm -hmm. It's just such a great match concept. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, like picking up on what you just said there, Chris, like, for me, this was the times when I was patchy and doing my wrestling watching. So just to give you an idea, I went from um, the new general manager of Raw, I am back! <laughs> and then I went straight from that to him just holding a pole and basically excluding everything in the elimination chamber. The one thing that annoyed me is the so-called bulletproof glass that, <laughs> that that could be punched through and kicked through and, and speared through. That's bulletproof. That isn't bulletproof. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, he's a all so far mentioned the kind of elements of the match very briefly. Sarah, what I thought was really, really good and the way they built this match up is they didn't kind of reveal too much about the overall kind of structure of the match. They kind of showed bits and bobs on videos, his kind of quick flashes. You kind of saw stuff about how it was getting actually built up and manufactured, but you never actually saw the completed job until that whole survival series pay-per-view. Yeah, like, see, in preparation of the show, I had never actually watched, like, the first Elimination Chamber match, so it was quite exciting to go back and actually, like, feel the story going up to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that, like, I, I haven't seen in wrestling in a long time. It's just, like, a proper story to bring things in, not just doing it for the sake of doing it. So I think, like, the little tiny vignettes, it's like, oh, it's not going to be, like, properly revealed until until the day of you're just like right okay this is what's making you want to tune in and watch it mm -hmm. do you know how much apparently it cost to build millions and millions of dollars I will not peek at your notes <laughs> one billion dollars <laughs> okay Austin Powers Dr. Evil uh, someone had anyone got a more accurate guess 50 quid I would say 2 million no he's not going far too high what uh, did one pound because they bought it from Iceland <laughs> <laughs> It's not a transaction of a football club in trouble. Uh, $9.99. $250,000 and was constructed over the space of six to eight weeks. That's not bad. The kind of design, so... So for the same amount as a Diva Search winner would win, that was how much it cost to make the chamber. Yeah, did they do a Diva Search that year, actually? Diva Search, I thought, was 2004. 2004 was the first one. I like... I like this new Daniel uh, Campbell currency. How much did it cost in all elimination chambers or a Diva Search winner? <laughs> not, the new, not dollars. You know, the, the, the brand new elimination chamber costs two Diva Searches. <laughs> Chris, you mentioned the uh, elements of the actual construction of the built of the actual yeah. thing. Just some of the thing, the ways they described how it was made was impressive itself. You got sixteen frames and weighed about three hundred pounds, sixteen foot high, thirty six foot in diameter, sixteen shot tons in weight. The amount of chain was absolutely unbelievable. At three point two kilometers worth of chain, you know, that was um a lot of things <laughs> to behold, a lot to take into well, one of the things that I always remember, I remember reading this in like WWF magazine, magazine as uh, Scott was saying earlier, like is something along the lines of see for the for the early days. I'm sure it's not the same now, but they had to literally hire a new warehouse because there was nowhere that they could keep it because all of the, the like sides and the roof essentially were just they, they, too big. They like, sold it like a yeah. dock and nook. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I just I think it's it's such a unique match type because it's almost in WWE it's almost untoppable because what else could you possibly do because it's so huge and ridiculous. Death match one. Well, <laughs> if you actually think about it, see, since the Elimination Chamber was was came up with, what's 
other great U concept matches WWE came up with? Punjabi Playground. <laughs> <laughs> WLC. That match with the bamboo. <laughs> We're not counting VLC. That's a TLC with, with <laughs> smaller wrists. <laughs> we talked about that on the best of TLC show, yeah. and it was amazing. <laughs> uh, more simpler one, Money in the Bank, because of just how... Mm. Money in the Bank's a great example. It's yeah. probably the, one of the best ones, but again, that's a kind of variation. That, well, it's a variation of the ladder match, yeah, but you can yeah. kind of class this as a variation of the Hell in a Cell, which in itself is a variation of the cage. The Ambrose Asylum. <laughs> Match the plants. Oh, her match. God bless, God bless you so much. You're so good, though. It's okay. We love you, House of Horrors match. <laughs> Can we stop just listing matches? <laughs> you gave us the invitation to. Championship scramble. Oh, that's far too much sugar going about this table today. Uh, but as Chris said, Daniel, uh, it was the, the uniqueness as well. They had nowhere to store it. It took so long to build. It took eight motors to actually bring it to the building. WWE wanted this to feel oh, 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 oh. massive, and they did that, and they're just a professional look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, like they, they certainly put every single effort into it. Like They had to make this gigantic new structure. It was going to be the main event of Survivor Series, their return to Madison Square Garden. Because mm-hmm. was I'd be right in saying the last pay-per-view they did in Madison Square Garden at that point was, I believe, a WrestleMania? Would that be, oh no, SummerSlam 98, would that be great? No, Girls, Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble, Rumble to, yeah, it's like, for their first return in nearly like three years, they had to make it a big one, and they went all out with the Elimination Chamber and just how they presented it, even on the pay-per-view, they couldn't have done a better job of it. Yeah. Sarah, in terms of the match itself, uh, obviously the concept of it is two people start off and then in random intervals, another person emerges from the chamber. And then it's this elimination from there. What did you think of that whole ruling of it? Did you quite like that aspect of it? Was it a bit, obviously it's a bit different. I mean, yeah, I think like, see, again, if you have like a proper storyline going into it, I keep going back to storylines, but See if it's like kind of unpredictability, it's just like, ah right, who's going to enter next instead of like, oh they've got a storyline going on, oh they'll probably come in next, they'll fight away, but I think like the actual randomization of it, and like especially because like this one was for the title, mm-hmm. you couldn't get much better than to kick it off with that. No, definitely not, and we talk about build up in it, Scott, mm-hmm. you got the first six men that they chose to have in the match, you had Triple H, you had Booker T, you had your favourite, Kane, <laughs> you had Chris Jericho, you had Rob Van Dam, and you had Shawn Michaels. With yeah. a very bad haircut. Oh, his haircut was terrible, but that And those tights. Oh, oh. Uh, his like oh. driving, <laughs> mum driving her kids to school haircut. Like. <laughs> 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 young Bailey says at home taking notes. <laughs> the original soccer mum haircut. <laughs> what did you think of those six chosen for the match? Did you think they were the most logical? Six at that particular time. Yeah, I think so because we look at the raw roster at that time. You can't find like six of the best. Like you can't find six better guys than that because you had Triple H as the champion. He'd already in the previous reviews fought RVD and Kane, so he had history with them. He had the thing with Michaels from Michaels' return, and then the match at SummerSlam. And then Booker and Jericho were always kind of that level. Jericho already being a former champion. Booker had his success in WCW, so obviously they are the best you could get on the roster at that time. And we talked about the build-up. I always remember. For at least the first few Elements Chambers, they played the same kind of video package and they like get the voice of Eric Bush off the screen in it. And I always love the echoes, they make it more dramatic. Like, Two miles of chain, chain, chain. <laughs> Just like they make it more so dramatic and the ominous like music of the thing like lowering down. 
I think the execution of it, they couldn't do any better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like your starts in a rock and roll Designed to punish. Sarah, you said you watched this pay per view over the last couple of days for the first time. Yeah, I watched it at the weekend. Now, the, Scott mentioned there's a, the six guys alone could help sell the match, and obviously there was excitement with it. However, based on the pay per view that happened before and going into this one, do you think there was still a lot of pressure on them to succeed? Because a lot of people rate this particular pay-per-view as one of the best WWE's ever done at that point. Well, see, I, like I said, I'd never watched the Virus Series 2002 until the weekend, and God bless him, Daniel was like so happy that I was doing this. He's like, it's given me a chance to watch it and have an excuse to watch it. Um, so I was, again, watching this for the very first time, and I had to say, like, it was, it was a really, really good pay-per-view, because I'm just like, holy crap, like, this is going to be happening. I mean... I was still crying for Christian, but <laughs> I think that's just going to happen for the rest of my life. We all do. <laughs> um, so I think that in terms of pressure, I think because that's closing out the show, there's always going to be that kind of pressure. Like we always talk about first time ever matches and how that's always going to be one of the most pressure ones because you're setting the bar for either if this is this gimmick is going to succeed or fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So the bar in this pay-per-view was already quite set high. We had a very good women's match between Victoria and Trish Stratus. Mm-hmm. We had the SmackDown 6 facing off in that tag match. They, who, if you don't know about the SmackDown 6, 2002, they just wrestled all the time against each other in tag team matches. Fantastic. you got to look some of that stuff up from SmackDown at that particular point. We had the debut of Scott Steiner. <laughs> 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 and he took out Christopher Nowinski. Even better. Sadly, Scott's uh, return to WWE peaked at that particular point. Yeah, <laughs> I was questioning. I was like, since when was Scott Steiner over? But I had never known this at this time. Yeah. I just knew what he was doing he was, like, prior, like after yeah. it. And I was like, when did he get so over? He was over that night. And then <laughs> they kind of fed him to Triple H. And then yeah. he got put in with uh, Tess and the testicles. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and that was my first ever time seeing Scott Steiner. Because I never watched like WCW ever. So literally the most the most I know of WCW is from Monday Night Rewind, basically. And then just seeing his arms, I was just like, mate, come on. Like at what point do you like say that's enough? Like come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they didn't look real. No, no. no. See, see on the network feed, do they still have the bit where Scott yells, Get me up, Mike? No, they cut the bit out. Oh, they're they're always, they're always <laughs> now we're all gonna talk later on in the show about our favourite least favourite chamber matches, but Chris, I'll go to you in this particular match as the first. What was your thoughts on it? Watching it then and watching it now? In terms of like the result, I'll start on. I think the result and what happened to the, the first one with Shawn Michaels winning was so historic. Because mm. that was that was the full redemption arc completed. Historic, you say. Because obviously Shawn Michaels, he's had the back injury. He's came back. Everyone's like, oh, is he back for good? And this sort of cemented him like fulfilling that whole return by beating Triple H who you know as you know at that time was just completely unbeatable albeit it didn't last as long as I would have liked but I remember one month exactly I remember Mm. thinking like oh finally we're all away from this Triple H run which was sadly very very wrong Um, but the match itself I think it's great because there's loads of different wrestling styles happening in it as well obviously you've got high flyers like RVD but then you've got your sort of ground and pound guys like Triple H and Kane as well kind of as well and I, yeah I absolutely love the match I think it's genuinely one of the best that they've yeah. done yeah. Daniel a dynamic of great chamber matches usually starts with a solid opening 
this particular first match with the champion Triple H starting off with Rob Van Dam. You think this is a great clash of styles? Probably the best way to go with it. Plus, it helped continue their story because they were obviously in the world title match at Unforgiven that year. Mm -hmm. So it was a storyline continuation. It starts you off with something that's familiar, very fresh. They wanted to save Kane, obviously, for a little bit until he came in. They wanted to save Michaels until he came in. And then having Booker T and Jericho added some extra bits of flavour there, particularly with Jericho and Triple H's history earlier in the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, talk about Triple H and RVD, do you know that actually RVD actually injured, injured Triple, Triple H, H. Oh, yeah. yes. doing the five-star frog splash in that particular... Was it the frogs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 esophagus and trachea injuries. and he messy. He nearly actually broke his wrist, I think, at one point as well, which was... You know, but that was the part quacker as well. The unpredictability of this match, they wanted it to kind of be violent. Granted, we don't want to see injuries, but. There was a lot. <laughs> a bit of violence was kind of what they wanted to try and achieve at this particular point, especially in the beginning of the ruthless aggression era. Mm. But, yeah, still. <laughs> <laughs> still. It was a bit, yeah. I mean, one guy that we may talk about in a week later on the show, uh, your favourite Chris Jericho had a very good show, actually, in this particular match. Yes. He eliminated Booker T and Kane. Yep. He's never really had like a bad show, and particularly no. no he's like, always... Overall, he's pretty. He's a really solid because he can he can go with high flyers like mm -hmm. RVD and Jericho, and then he can also go with big guys like Triple H. Right. As he sort of proved. He's extremely reliable as well when it comes to this sort of match. Hey, Chris mentioned the winner in Shawn Michaels. Does everybody think that Shawn Michaels was the best choice to win this first particular match? Definitely, mm -hmm. yeah. given the arc that he went on. Oh. Not a hundred percent. Go Even though it, it, was, it was me that praised how good it was. Because <laughs> the whole... So it's, it's purely because the match was billed as being such a, you know, grueling endurance. Like, Shawn Michaels, if anything, is the least likely to win in that matchup in, like, a kayfabe sense. He did come in at number six. Yeah, so true, yeah. Kind of fed a more. I, I basically thought that, see, Shawn Michaels winning the belt off Triple H because of how iconic it was. It didn't need to be in... A match like this and obviously he never went on spoilers he never went on to get another belt after this i would have liked that if he didn't won the belt in a like sort of i know it sounds ridiculous in a standard match overcoming triple h but then again there's nobody else in that match that i would have rather won so essentially it's still with sean <laughs> from what i've heard after this apparently sean was very hesitant about coming back full time like he had the match with triple h that was just gonna be a one-off and then he gets put in the chamber and the reason he loses that a month later was just like one last like feel good run like when Hogan earlier that year won the belt for a feel good thing lost that a month later so he, and then apparently it wasn't to like the Jericho feud not to me in 19 that Sean decided to like fully like okay I'm back I'm gonna be here full time so I think that's why he didn't hold on it for so long so if he'd made that decision sooner maybe would have had a longer term thing between him and Triple H where he'd lose it then win it back but also, I think logically it made sense because, again, he had the thing with Triple H where Triple H tried to injure him after SummerSlam. Mm. And also, it made sense in the first ever Chamber match that the guy who came out last won it. And I'm glad that they did that in the first Chamber because that basically, when you think about it, they're always building like either this or a Rumble match. They always build the person who comes out last, gets the advantage, but rarely do they actually ever win. So I'm glad that they actually decided, let's just have the guy who comes out last win. Yeah, definitely. I see. Shawn Michaels showing in this one was one of several showings that he had very well over the years and that's where we're going to go into our next segment where we're actually going to talk more about our favourite MVPs from the Royal from not the Royal Rumble Scott you confused me now <laughs> from, the, from the Elimination Chamber match now there has been so many wrestlers male female even tag team who have participated <laughs> in the Elimination Chamber match uh, Chris I shall start with you who would you say 
is an MVP for you in a chamber match? Despite the fact that he will go down in history as having lost his title despite winning the Elimination Chamber, I think that my MVP is probably Cena. Right, okay. um, I think that everyone he was in, he always had such a great showing. He was he the f- oh no, I think he was maybe the second one after Triple H to go into the chamber and go out the chamber with the same belt. Correct. And, mm-hmm. and also uh, again, what we we're saying earlier, he ha- what the way that he's used in a match like this can can really elevate the storyline of the match. Like if you if you have someone put Cena out early, for example, or just anyone really going over Cena in an elimination chamber match, it puts them over massively. I think. An example would be a later one, with the Bray Wyatt one. Yeah. I think. Yeah, Cena uh, puts him over big in that match. Yeah, 2017. 2017. Um, so yeah, John Cena is probably my MVP. But I mean, literally, almost, there's there's a group of about ten that I could have picked for MVP. And if you look at the John Cena, his first Elimination Chamber one one three led to one of the most iconic moments of that spell of Edge cashing in for the first ever Money in the Bank. So. I mean, I remember the image of Cena actually at that New Year's Revolution because he mm-hmm. looked, he looked bloodied, he looked bruised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was a slight moment in that match I thought Carlito might actually win the title. <laughs> <laughs> we might talk about another guy who went ever so close <laughs> later, on in yes. this, later on in this particular show. But no, I think... Uh, <laughs> I think John Cena's a good one. He's, he's, he's won three elimination chambers. He won that one in 2005. He won one in 2010 for the WWE title where he beat Seamus Triple H Kofi Kingston Ted DiBiase and Randy Orton was that around about the time where Kofi Kingston lost his accent? <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> and that um, would be what I lived with that was he made his entrance for that and he looked behind him as he came out because the year before he was meant to be in it and then Edge took him out Ah uh, yes uh, that's another moment as well and obviously he got himself a WWE Championship match then 2011 by beating CM Punk John Morrison Seamus Randy Orton and another favourite of Quackers and R Truth. Daniel, so go on to you. Give us an, an MVP from the Elimination Chamber. Well, just just quickly before I mention my MVP, I want to add to the point of John Cena that he and Daniel Bryan are the only two to win the Elimination Chamber from number one. Ah, oh, oh, there you go. Did you know that, Scott McClain, because you gave that all like you did the notes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I did know. That's right, our mind's blown if you did not <laughs> <laughs> I knew people had one, if I didn't know how many. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, a fa- it's a fine fact. Apparently okay. the statistic is only two there. Frame uh, that fact. <laughs> right, thank you. Uh, my next MVP, now, win-wise, hasn't done well, only has one win, that being a victory for the World Heavyweight Championship, but he did amass the most eliminations. Le Champion, Chris Jericho. Interesting, Chris Jericho. That's a very interesting one. He has the most eliminations with 10. Great, yes. 10 eliminations over 8 appearances in the Elimination Chamber itself. Um, any particular moment from Chris Jericho that stands out to you now before I take him into the panel? Well, I would go for the sequence that led to the elimination of Kevin Nash in 2003. Uh, yes. So if, if I remember correctly, Jericho is like Shawn Michaels. If I'm not mistaken, is it that Shawn Michaels super kicks Kevin Nash and then Jericho hits a lion salt and that eliminates him? Yeah, there's a couple of good yeah. build-up moves there. It's quite cool. Yeah, like the that moment there, seeing them working in tandem, those wee moments where people just briefly work together to get that common goal 
is a brilliant one. And then, of course, I know this one's going to make Scott very happy. <laughs> There's, of course, the image of Kane throwing him through one of those oh-so-tough bulletproof glass doors. <laughs> yeah, Jacob gets a rough deal with those glass doors. He does. I feel sorry for him. It's like it's good like Goldberg, wasn't it? Yeah. I remember, I think it was Jericho said it in a, his podcast, randomly talked about the relationship, and he said that about Kane. Mm. Like, well, like, they just suggested that beforehand, and then they decided, like, nah, let's not do that. And then I think something happened with the order of like people coming out. I think Kane came out earlier than he was meant to. So that kind of, they were a bit confused. So Kane just apparently wandered over Jericho and went, we're doing the spot. They what? We're doing the spot, get ready, and then just threw him. So with like 10 seconds notice, Kane just grabbed Jericho and went, you're going through the pod. <laughs> I mean, it's quite, it's quite amazing that he does have only one win, which Sarah referenced in your intro, which is why we've kind of tail back to it, <laughs> of uh, Jericho's victory being the thing that springboarded the career versus streak match between The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. Yeah, I mean, who, who doesn't love like that whole story as well? So, but I'm not going to lie, I'm not too familiar with it, so... It's not Ooh. the biggest moment of Jericho's <coughs> chamber history, but it's, it's more significant in the, that aspect of it, because I don't... If my memory says me right, Jericho doesn't really do much in that match. Nah, mm-hmm. I watched no. that match back really recently, and it actually holds up. I think it's pretty good, even though it's now 10 years old. Yeah, it was him, him, Undertaker, John Morrison, Rey Mysterio, CM Punk, and once again, R-Truth. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's more notes that chamber match is more notable of course as this is the chamber match where Undertaker is burned by his pyro yeah. oh yes so it the, was the story goes that Undertaker is making his way to the ring and the person in charge of the pyrotechnics thinks that Taker has already moved past that point in the stage and triggers the middle pyro to go up Taker is briefly engulfed in the flames and when you watch the match, you notice he's not really shown on camera much when he's in the pods. But when he, the when doctor, the doctor's like, dosing him with water, yep, or something like they that give match. him, they're giving him like multiple bottles of water. He's just dosing himself before he goes in. When you see him in the later stages, particularly with him and Jericho as the final two, you see the burn marks forming on his mm-hmm. chest. First. And even the next night on Raw, you could see some slight bruising from it. First and second degree burns he picked up actually on that one. We might actually we might talk about Taker a bit later yeah, on, I'm not 100 percent sure. The but. Fun, there's also a thing that I hit on seemingly the guy in charge of Pyro that night. That was his last night with the company. Oh, yeah, he was, ta- he was taken out. I think he was removed from the arena before yeah. Undertaker had even left. Oh, he was he was removed before the match even finished. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. So when you said taken out, I just got an image of he got taken around the back of the arena and was never seen again. Scott, I'll go to you next. Um, okay. Give us an MVP of Elimination Chamber's past. Uh, my MVP, even though some of his like, performances and some of his wins in Love Gym might not have been popular at the time, I'm going to go with Triple H. Mm. Triple H was the original man mm-hmm. in this Elimination Chamber match. Yeah, I think he's been in six Elimination Chamber matches mm-hmm. and he's won four, which I think is the most like, the of mo- anyone. He's the most, he was the, I think he was the first, yeah, he was the first man to uh, win both the WWE and the World Heavyweight Championship inside the Chamber. Oh, yeah, I remember also the 2005 one being the first one I properly like, watched, like I taped on Sky yeah. Sports. Like, he'd been the champion, there had been a, like, a double pin or thing in a Triple Threat with Edge and Benoit. The title got vacated and Bishop today to have the Elimination Chamber for it. And then Triple H won it back, which at the time people were like, oh, I don't know why that is. But then there was a subtle moment there where it's Batista and Triple H and Orton left. And Batista and Triple H are still in evolution. Uh, Triple H sees Orton's about to eliminate Batista. He goes to get up and then just decides, 
Nah, it's about doing it. Oh, awfully bit of storytelling. And that's that old plan of the seeds for then Batista a few years later to win the Rumble and then that match just basically ended the, that period that people don't like of Triple H where he was seemingly unbeatable because Batista was the man to finally beat him and then he would win a few more, I think, in 2008 and 2009. Yes. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned, obviously, this one in 2005 led to him obviously having the feud with Batista and then Batista being the one to dethrone him. But if you look at the 2003 edition, yeah. there was a lot of criticism of Triple H's winning of that because it kind of ruined the order of Goldberg. Yeah, and I think the reason was a lot of people apparently heard that Triple H was injured. That's why he wears those weird short things to the ring. Yeah, that's, why, that's why he gets taken out by Michaels. Like He comes out his pod and immediately gets sweet-chinned and then just lies down for another 10 or so minutes. Yeah. And also, like you talk about MVPs and he's the first chamber we talked about already. The injury from RVD, like, and they're the first two and this is before, the spot happens before anyone else has came in, and he lasts right up until the final two with Michael, so you don't really notice it when you first watch it, you don't know how bad it is, but when you watch it back knowing how badly his trachea is hurt, you, you can kind of commend him even more, because Triple H, another example of him battling through severe pain he had that, he had the quad injury a few a year before where he still took the walls of Jericho despite his quad basically rolling up his leg I heard the doctor said you shouldn't have even been able to stand on that. Yeah, he's, he's, mm. he's an absolute crazy athlete in terms of that particular yeah. thing. Um, that, that one, I think, is the one that sticks in my head. So cri- the most crystal clear is the one where Goldberg didn't win. Mm-hmm, like, I, yeah. I literally, being like a, what, 13-year-old kid at that mm. time, I was just like, this is, <laughs> yeah. this is his well, time. The, the worst part about it was the fact that Goldberg wins the belt off from pretty much the next pay-per-view. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're just thinking, like, why do you not just yeah. put the belt on Goldberg now? The story that I heard regarding that is seemingly Goldberg refused to work the European tour. So him losing at SummerSlam was a punishment. Really? That was the story that I'd heard about that, yeah. It would, it would make sense in a way, you know, but obviously it's rumours we do never know. Uh, some of uh, Triple H's wins were quite stacked in terms of who he faced off with. I, mean, mm-hmm. I quite liked his, his fourth win where he beat Edge, Undertaker, Jeff Hardy, Big Show, and the mm. odd one out of that group of Vladimir Kozlov. <laughs> yeah, I might be talking about that one later on for my favourite chamber match. Uh, I remember like that was the same night that Edge took out Kofi Kingston in the world title yes. on because he had been the WWE champion in that chamber, and it started with him and Jeff Hardy. He goes for the spear, Hardy gets in the small package, and I love Edge... His, his like facial expression are some of the best. Yes. Like the sell of like how angry he is. Like no, this may be my night. I'm already out. Yeah. As Daniel said, Scott, we shall talk about that later. Oh, sorry. I just I, I just got me- excited. So I just remember there. So uh, but was it then the next year later in the match he was in 2010? Was he? Hmm. But- yeah. No, maybe oh, not 2010. 2011. 2011. Uh, it's the it's the one that like he's. Like he comes out, Seamus is looking at him, and you just see that smile on his face when he's lit up by the light underneath. <laughs> it's, it's something else. I mean, Eddie's second win, I know we'll talk about a bit later on, was actually beat similar to the actual his other match that night. John Cena, Rey Mysterio, Chris Jericho, Kane, all fantastic wrestlers. The odd one out in that one, Mike Knox. <laughs> Mike Knox. I forgot he was in one. <laughs> forgot he existed. So did he. <laughs> Mike Knox, relevant for one elimination chamber match and going out with Kelly Kelly. Please stop saying that name because it doesn't sound right. Mike Knox. <laughs> Before I get in trouble. Sarah, <laughs> can you give us an MVP? Um, Mike Roach. <laughs> totally, totally. No, I would have to say like one of my MVPs is probably Randy Orton. Yes, very mm. nice, very, very yeah, nice. Yeah, I, I think it's just like he's put on like really strong showings 
and I think like when it came down like I, I can't remember what year it was it was the match it came down to him and Brian as like the last two competitors in the Walk Two Champion I think like that's one that really sticks in my my mind that is a very underrated chamber match that one that's a very one of course you would like that one Christian isn't it <laughs> <laughs> I just <laughs> Damn you got me! <laughs> well, I didn't at least mention him for once, so there's progress. No, no, but you're... <laughs> he I said like, his name first! I'm a, I'm a I, like, I like how we're like in a rehab meeting and Sarah's like, yeah, I did the mention of it. Hi, my name is Sarah, I've got, I've got an See, addiction to Christian matches. That match might get a lot of mentions in here because Christian's in it, and who helps Brandy Orton win that match? Kane. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you're right. He's, uh, Randy Orton has been in, I believe, seven Elimination Chamber matches. He's got six eliminations. Mm-hmm. And he's got that one victory, as you mentioned, in 2012. But he did have, as Scott mentioned earlier, that solid showing in the second Elimination Chamber mm-hmm. where he very nearly won the Triple H. I think it's more the fact that, in my terms of him being an MVP, is the fact he put himself through that multiple times before he even won a title. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's what really done it for me, because it's like... It looks like it should be like you go in once, you're like, nah, I'm, I'm alright, I'm not doing that again. But he just goes in over and over and over again. You're just like, you're either crazy or mm. clown for punishment or a bit of both. I think he's a bit selfless as well in his, um, the matches he has because 2013 edition, he could have. You look at the, some of the guys in that particular match, he was the one that stood out a, a million miles mm. and, other than maybe Jericho. But he was the guy that took the pin, I think, I believe. At the end, was he the one that got pinned last? I think, yeah. Off of Jack Swagger? Right. I think Swagger won with a roll-up. He did a roll-up. It was either, either Orton or Jericho, I can't remember one of the two of them, but he made them look great. So even when he's not won these matches, I think he's done a great job of actually helping enhance things. Also, speaking of Orton being selfless, he was the one that you know gave himself a concussion in order to get Santino Morella in the match <laughs> in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> He, also, he was also the man who caused the injury to Mustafa Ali that got Kobe Kingston into the match last year oh see full circle full circle <laughs> he's an MVP when he doesn't actually have to do anything <laughs> that's totally why he put my pick here yeah. the thing about the 2014 when we talked about the 2003 one people kind of looked at that negatively because they say well, Goldberg should have won I think people forget about the 2014 edition is because I was bang in the middle of the lead up to Brian at Mania 30 yeah. and I came down to Brian and then he hadn't been the Rumble it got down to Brian Orton you think maybe this is it maybe Brian will go into the champion yeah. and then Kane came in again the authority get involved Randy was very good in the build up to that pay per view as well mm-hmm. because he put on great matches with every one of the five the one I remember he had a fantastic match on Smackdown with Cesaro oh, that was, was a good one. making a Cesaro that was the point they should have mm-hmm. pushed Cesaro to the moon then obviously won the Battle Royal and then they ballsed it up with him what, what annoyed me a bit the lead up to that was and I know Sarah appreciate this is I was annoyed the fact that he seemingly got beaten by all of his challenges in that Olympic team and lead up to it except for Christian like for some reason and that's why Christ- Christian is awesome like even Cesaro like much as people love Cesaro and he became even popular after that the fact that Cesaro was still kind of in this whole he'd started the whole Real Americans mm-hmm. like even he got to beat Orton yeah. yeah Christian who'd had that brilliant food with Orton a few years earlier for the world title didn't get to beat Orton I know it was crazy he's a, <laughs> but he's a very fantastic man in the match Randy Orton Quacko do you have any MVPs at all? well obviously Christian. Jericho's been mentioning your man Jericho at all but say Christian uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Christian. He's been in one match. Doesn't matter, it was still really good. Uh, I'm glad you brought up that religion during Lent. Anyway, uh, so- <laughs> <laughs> God damn. 
how crappy you always have to do that, didn't you? Excuse right? Anyway. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm going to mention this person because I just loved what they did in that one elevation. No. <laughs> and I'm, this is going to get everything I love, but it's Goldberg. It's got to Ooh, be. Oh, I did not expect you to say Goldberg. I yet. expected you to say El Torito or Santino Morello. because nah, everyone expects me to say that, but. See, I'm like, I, I, I thought you were going to say Edge for a minute there. No. That one, that one really took out Kofi. Nah, no. <laughs> <laughs> He, he was he was going to say Santino, but then he realised he wants to keep Hockney happy. I hope my brother hears this. Go- I, I was hoping he would take out a different coffee, but... Anyway, but uh, your, your point about Goldberg is valid. He looked, and abso- up until that closing sequence, he looked under... Like, I'm sure we'll talk... Like, the bits I liked about it, I think it will come under more of, my fav- of the favourite chamber matches, but it was just a whole presentation of it. And this is the first time I'm seeing Goldberg bearing in mind and just seeing him do like the Lufes press and then catching the guy into the spear and then and all, the spe- all the spear into like a spine buster yeah. yeah seeing the I don't know what you call it the, the jackhammer <laughs> the jackhammer yeah. the jackhammer the even when he put my beloved Y2J for the bulletproof glass my champion went to another galaxy far far away then <laughs> <laughs> and just seeing the end of it when he's trying to get onto Triple H after eliminating everyone and then just seeing Ric Flair like holding the door swearing at him was just so funny and just seeing him punch through it and Triple H his face just sails out can, mm. can I throw two before we quickly before we move on have a break we've mentioned one of the memes very bit Edge mm-hmm. yeah. you can't forget but my one who I would pick personally Daniel Bryan Mm. Yeah, he's another one. It was a toss-up between him and Randy Orton when it came to Daniel Bryan, last year in particular, won the match, made Kofi look in all your bucks. The thing is, Daniel Bryan manages to do two different things that are complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Sometimes when he's in a chamber match, he goes in as the ultimate underdog. Like, there's no way he can win. He's so so small compared to all the other wrestlers. There's no way he can do it. But then also, he's had two chamber matches now where it's like, there's no way anyone will beat Daniel Bryan. He's too good a wrestler, which is the Santino he's, and the Kofi ones. He's mm-hmm. won in 2012. See when you look at the names on it, you know, no offence to Santino, but he was the only guy who could plausibly win that. It was Santino, Wade Barrett, Cody Rhodes, Big Show and the Great Cali. See, looking back at it in hindsight, he's the only guy who's going to win that yeah. match. Yeah, because I think Wade Barrett by that point was a bit... Like they, they see that you probably didn't see too highly on him given that the Nexus had failed and mm. Cody, Cody Cody wasn't there at that point that was 2012 yeah, he was the only other viable one I think Cody be, purely for being the Intercontinental Champion at the time but like you said what he did with Kofi is kind of what he did with Santino as well where he can be the heel who can make you believe in the underdog before crushing your dreams and winning the thing or he can be the underdog who you want to see it before ultimately kind of falling short yeah because obviously Santino then went on to win the US title after that and he had yeah. that run with the belt until SummerSlam that particular mm. year so he had all those elements of that as well but then you've obviously got the opposite sides with Daniel Bryan and obviously the match the year after where Jack Swagger won it and you had the one obviously with Randy Orton won it yeah like to add to one of the stats I gave earlier on like we mentioned how Triple H is one of the one of the, like one of the few people to win like to walk out of the chamber with the WWE and the world title Daniel Bryan is the other man yeah Daniel Bryan is what he's won both of them actually as, as you said Daniel so it's quite an achievement given the, the underdog status of Daniel Bryan I mean if we can uh, there is an interesting actual point we've mentioned a lot of guys 
who have won matches. Mm-hmm. Now, some of us have mentioned guys haven't they won matches quickly. I'll go round everybody. If you had to pick one underrated MVP from the Chambers, who would it be? Quickly, names only, Daniel. Alexa Bliss. She won her only Elimination Chamber appearance with two eliminations. Mm, he stole my one! <laughs> We've not obviously mentioned the women's in great detail here. He stole mine. I'm going to say Christian just because you stole Alexa Bliss from me. Oh my god. Great minds think Did you say you wanted ones who haven't won? <laughs> I said two ones who haven't won, but two of them clearly didn't listen. I know. Uh, Christian but, never won it! For, me, for me, it's obvious. See, because the idea is like endurance and overcoming massive amounts of like pain and not like taking a doing and win mm. has to be RVD because he's the one that can go extreme pun intended lengths to win the match mm-hmm. uh, I, think, I think he's only been in one chamber but I think we forget about the perf- great performance in the 2018 chamber Braun Strowman uh, where it was like seven guys oh, yeah. he eliminated I think six of them five, 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 five of them and then Roman eliminated I think it was when we were still all behind Braun Strowman before we could tell like he's IC level probably at best now but at the time we were still holding out hope for him and Brock he'd finally beat Brock after the disappointment no mercy and Quack are you getting another one you yes uh, Big Show purely for taking a spit of water from Triple H like a chap mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go for Carlito I thought his performance in 2005 uh, when very nearly beat John Cena is one of the very an underrated chamber performance that one should have took Carlito to the to the that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> sure, it took him to the peaks of WWE, but you know, WWE were not cool. Anyway, uh, we're going to take a short break here from the podcast. You said Christian. Yeah, but I, but I, I thought of another one. Quickly, go for it. Dolph Ziggler. No, no. Yes. No, his name is bad. <laughs> it's just I the do. fact when that pod broke early on in the match and they had no idea what they were doing, Dolph carried that match. We're coming for you, Ziggler. <laughs> So yeah, that has been our Chamber MVPs. We're going to take a short break and when we come back, we're going to be talking about our best and worst Chamber matches and what we think they could do with the match concept in the future. So here's a short break where they talk about the inception, that first particular match in the Elimination Chamber. We'll see you in a bit. Hello folks, I'm Nathan Fisher. And I'm Chris Murray. Join us on the Monday Night Rewind as we look back on every head-to-head episode of Dowdef Raw and Dowdew Nitro. Find us on the brand new Suplex Retweet Extra feed available on all good podcasting sites. It's impressive, it's big, it's exciting to think about what could happen inside of there. But like anything else, it's never been done before. There's always a certain element of risk. You never know for sure what you're going to get because you've never done it before. And I think that's what makes this particular pay-per-view so exciting and matches like this so unique. We did it from scratch. We decided we wanted to do something completely different, something that no one had ever seen. So there's not a lot of drawing from the name. We, we started with a basic idea that this is what we wanted, was new, completely different. This has definitely been a big challenge for us on the production side of the WWE to put this together in such a short time and to debut it here at Madison Square Garden. And the designer came up with a conceptual drawing and we started looking at it and in between our thoughts and the designer's thoughts it was just kind of an ongoing molding of ideas and enhancing ideas and enhancing design it's a very high profile project the elimination chamber is pretty much unique this is the first time they've had 
something of this caliber. Tonight, we'll see it go up for the first time and know that what we came up with in our minds and what we drew on paper is now a physical element that hangs above the ring that will give something new to our show. The whole concept of it, it was one of those things where you build it, it looks great on paper, it looks great when you see it, but we're the guys who have to bear the brunt of its awesome construction. It was totally um, intimidating just to see something like that. The uh, architecture of it was totally um, unreal. We'd seen pictures of it, but we hadn't actually seen it. People described it as interesting, but I'd describe it as uh, awe-inspiring. First thing that started going through my mind was, what can we do with this thing that maybe the fans haven't seen before? I was trying to think of what I could do, and I also thought of ways uh, that I could use it to my advantage. It is 10 times, 20,000 pounds, with two miles of chains surrounding a king, and tonight six men will go in, and one will survive and become the world's heavyweight champion. It's not like you can get a tape of the last one to watch it to kind of prime yourself up. Something like this gave us a whole world to be not like our regular match, and it was it was fun to use the additional surroundings. I don't think that the people at home appreciate how hard the grid was outside the ring, how unforgiving the chains that surrounded the ring were. Oh, wow! Not very wrestler-friendly is this structure, to say the least. I was slammed against the chains. It felt a lot like it looked, and uh, the audience with me <laughs> was uh, screaming, really couldn't appreciate the force of gravity meeting up with the steel grate. Guys were falling on that grate constantly, and not just falling on it, but taking horrendous bumps on it. The human body is just not supposed to go through a match like that. I think the guy who utilized the chamber the best was, was RVD. The coolest thing of the night was when Rob Van Dam went to hit Jericho with the crossbody and did like a Spider-Man slash Matrix jump onto the cage. Oh yeah, man, I thought he's like Spider-Man. Spider-Man! That was just unbelievable. I really thought that was very inventive and original. Yeah, I just looked at it and knew I could do it and thought it was a good idea. Boom, there it is. I don't think people really understood just how brutal that match was. As far as the injury to Triple H, I had an idea. You just get a sense for, you know, somebody's hurt. I had to alter my five-star frog splash because of the structure. When I looked down on him, I thought everything was going to be fine. I mean, I knew he was in a little bit close, but I thought that I'd be able to just uh, drop right down on him. I jumped out a little too far, and I crushed up into a ball, and my instincts told me to straighten my legs out. And somehow, I think my shin came across his throat with the weight. It was only afterwards when I found out how badly he was hurt with his throat. Thank God that uh, he was able to walk out of the ring and able to continue the match once again, because once I was eliminated, it was just him and Sean, and they were out there for another five, six minutes. The first ever elimination chamber match is down to two men. I didn't really have time to absorb that it was Madison Square Garden or that you know, it was for the title or any of that stuff. And my mind was too busy thinking of business and work. Sweet You know, Sean, enjoy this. And I, and I couldn't. And this time, I can do that. Last forever, that's great. If, if it ends today, that's okay, too.
the blood to this looking sap. Around the Scudmaster sexy oh, yeah, big crack. Oh, 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 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome back to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I'm Stephen Wilson. I'm joined by Daniel, Sarah, Chris, Scott and Kwaku. And we are talking about the history of the Elimination Chamber match. And before we get back into the discussion, I'd just like to tell you to go on to our main feed to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet if you're not subscribed and listen to our fantastic special on the Source Wrestling Tag Team Championships where we interviewed six of the eight teams where we, Scott and Kwaku, <laughs> interviewed six of the eight teams. So it's pretty much everybody that was in the tournament bar modern hype and the young guns. So if you want to see the first round of the tournament, uh, Source Govern this Friday and if you get your tickets now, it costs a fiver. A fiver, which is the bargain of the century. Yeah. And Honestly, I can't speak highly enough of Source Govan. Just listen to the interview, listen to the Border Hype interview if you want to know why you should go yes. to Source Govan. And also, quickly before we start, we've got AEW's latest pay per view, Revolution, is coming this Saturday. So if you want a chance to watch that on Fight TV, head over to our Twitter page, follow us, follow Fight TV, and follow AEW, and then retweet one of the tweets we put out earlier on today, and you may have a chance of, of watching. AW Revolution for free on Fight TV, so please get onto the Twitter and do everything I've just said. It's all on the tweet anyway, and you might have a chance to watch that for free. So, all a bonus. For free, you said Stephen. I don't think you quite agree with that. Free. Zero. Zero. <laughs> Bravo. Uh, right, so let's get back into the discussion and let's talk about our favourite and least favourite Chamber matches. Now, Daniel, I'm going to start with you on this one. Give us one of your favourite chamber matches. As I alluded to earlier on, one of my all-time favourites is the uh, WWE Championship Elimination Chamber match from No Way Out 2009. So Yes, so that was the one... What, uh, Triple H won it, I believe? Yep, Triple H won. Uh, Edge walked in as the WWE Champion. He started off with Jeff Hardy, and as Scott was mentioning earlier on, Jeff eliminates Edge. The two went fairly intense for the first like five minutes or so that they were in there. And then, as you said, Edge attempts to spear, Hardy rolls him up. And that would set Edge on his path to later on interfering in the World Heavyweight title one and becoming the World Heavyweight Champion. Scott, you mentioned that. Yeah. You mentioned that earlier on. You can now go back into your discussions. <laughs> <Well>, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I jumped the gun. I got excited. <laughs> I think it's a cool moment because it's very rare to see the champion go out first and. I said about Edge's selling and the facial presence, like the wide like eyes that he does is really good and he lived up to his name the whole op- ultimate opportunities because he found his way into the next chamber but I think from there it kind of opened up the possibilities even though like because other than Kozlov basically anybody could have won that match. Let's not doubt Kozlov. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> the Moscow, oh, sorry I almost said that the American way, the Moscow baller, how dare you? This is the man who was deemed not good enough to have a match with The Undertaker that year at WrestleMania, so they had it on SmackDown. <laughs> but we got him, we got Taker versus Michaels. So yeah. it's all good. Uh, Taker was the last, was Taker the last one eliminated from this match? Yeah, Taker and Triple H were the final two for the match. Yeah, so a pretty solid final pairing, I think it's fair to say you yeah, can't really pick. There's 
the spot that um, is one of my favourites and it also kind of gave me a question mark about the match as well. So Taker and Triple H are having some offence on the outside near the ramp. Taker motions for the tombstone, so he's going to tombstone him on the grating floor. Triple H manages to reverse it over the ring ropes, but Taker, using the momentum, reverses that into a tombstone. And then as the referee's about to hit three, Triple H puts his foot on the rope. That somehow breaks the pin. I didn't realise rope breaks were a thing in the elimination chamber. They tend to rope breaks. If you ask a referee, see if the see if it's in the ring, even though it's not like a it's a no DQ match as long as there's like an element of pinning right in the ring. Mm. The rope breaks count. I think it's when it becomes a falls count anywhere. That's where the issue comes with. I did ask one of Scotland's referees, Thomas Kearns, this question actually when the whole thing came up about. I think it was in Miz and Shane. It was Miz and Shane. I think AEW had one last year as well where there was a rope break issue. Mm-hmm. Can't remember at all, and there was there was comparisons about that but apparently road breaks are a thing then but no a very good choice to start us off on the best elimination chamber matches well they do say in ICW that road breaks are at referee's discretion mm-hmm. exactly so yes Sarah what's your fa- what's one of your favourite elimination chamber matches now I would have to say like because I've not watched a lot of the elimination chamber matches it'll be quite a fairly recent one but it was the elimination chamber 2017 just after the brand extension okay um, I think this is just when Smackdown were just heads and tails like above what was happening on Raw. I mean, like the people that you had in the match, you had John Cena defending his WWE Championship against like Baron Corbin, AJ Styles, The Miz, Bray Wyatt, etc. And it, it, I think it's just the fact that it's like these are Smackdown's top guys mm-hmm. all going in. And I think like with Randy Orton winning the Rumble that year as well you kind of had a feeling, oh, it's going to be Randy Orton and John Cena again, but they threw the whole Bray Wyatt winning the actual chamber match into the mix. And, yeah, I think it's just like more like the build and like the actual match, but see, that I think that was... Is that not the year that they introduced like the new style? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, we t- they introduced the new style, apparently, uh, because the way they had the old style, they couldn't get it into many other arenas. So they introduced that kind of new type of style so that they could have a lot more flexibility of where the chamber matches could happen. Previously, they could only do it at certain arenas that had that kind of, you know, I think it's the size of the roof type idea. Not to answer the exact dimensional reasons. You're not not opening Stevie's logistics anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) I read that's why they did it. I wasn't 100% sure the exact logistics of it, but it was to do with the fact it was so they could be more expansive to where the chamber mm-hmm. match was happening but you're right it was a wee bit different was it not possible to have a Bell's Hill Town Hall then <laughs> <laughs> can I have a bomb that's in Bell's Hill Town <laughs> I think like another thing about that match as well is that you had so many different feuds all coming together in one because like you had what was going on between Bray Wyatt Randy Orton and John Cena at that time and then like you had the whole stuff between Miz and Ambrose and it was just like a lot of small things intertwining mm. and I think that's what added to that match as well this was probably the, up until he was the fiend I think this was the best week of Bray Wyatt's career because mm. he had that match and then on the Smackdown that week it was him Cena AJ Styles and one of the best triple flip matches yeah. Smackdown had done at that particular mm. point should have been the making of uh, Bray Wyatt Chris you think you mentioned earlier on yeah yeah that I, I love that match because this was immediately after Cena and AJ as well. Yeah, so I, I remember thinking, oh, AJ could actually win this. This is unbelievable. But then, like, they, they actually kept you 
wondering till the dying moments in that match who could win it and then obviously Bray won it um, yeah absolutely that's see from two uh, in, in recent chambers that's like my favourite one of all the recent ones mm-hmm. I mean going on to you then and Chris uh I'm assuming one of your favourite ones or probably ones from the earlier series of chamber matches no, so far. Not so much. I actually spent a really long time trying to figure it out. Um, I liked the... I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about it more about the Brian's 2019 one, but the one I wanted to go for, I feel was really significant because... So one of the things that we've not spoken about and I think it's really important is the idea that you have to overcome the Elimination Chamber to make it to WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. A bit like how it used to be called, like it used to be No Way Out. It's like you have you have to get past this. That's how you get to WrestleMania. So that started in like 2008, I think, when they moved it to that end of the calendar. And then in 2012, that was my favourite. That was the one when CM Punk went in with the belt during the summer of Punk, even though it's in February, um, <laughs> and came out with the belt as well. The reason I thought it was so good is just the idea that so Punk was on that brilliant run of keeping the belt at that time. I basically based my whole life around how great it was. And um, the actual match itself was fantastic as well. Punk first eliminated R-Truth, but then Chris Jericho eliminated Ziggler and Kofi Kingston. So it was this whole, like, who's performed better, Punk or Jericho? And it looked like it was going to come down to both of them. When Jericho got injured, I think he got thrown in a cameraman and was taken out of the match. It left Punk and Miz Punk kicked out of the skull crushing finale, hit the GTS, got the win, kept the belt, headed to WrestleMania to set up the match with Jericho. I like the idea that Punk endured the, you know, how extreme that match is to make it to that thing that, you know, even in non-KV terms, the thing that he's always wanted to do is to make it to a, a huge match at WrestleMania. It was an absolute travesty that that match went on first at Elimination Chamber 2012, obviously because the huge match of John Cena and Kane in an ambulance match had to headline the event. Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. But I think the thing I remember most about the build to that elimination chamber was the kind of like town hall type thing that they had in the ring where they were all in front of podiums. <laughs> it was led, yeah. I think it was led by um, King. Mm-hmm. King kind of led that one. I just, just remember that Punk was kind of at the end, just looking like, what the hell is going on yeah. here? <laughs> type idea. Truth was starting to become I a lot more eccentric at that particular point as well. I think we used that break on the. One of the shows. Okay. Is either the Chris Jericho show or yeah, I think it's the Chris Jericho show we used that one on. It was either that or the one where they were all on top of the ladder. Just wanted to. It was one I think it was in Money in the Bank. Though, wouldn't it? It Maybe the ones that they were uh, on Money in the Bank this summer. Sitting, sitting top of the ladder. So it, was, <laughs> <laughs> it was very similar. I mean, it's, Scott, you're one who would argue that John Cena Kane should have <laughs> made a win in that particular. Yeah, Kane equals pay per view. Do you have any agreement on what Chris thought about that match? I think. At that point, it felt like the road to Mania was almost set because you had Jericho come back. As soon as he came back, he thought Punk Jericho was the natural feud. You had Sheamus kind of hanging around. He would then later on the other chamber make his decision to go for Brian. So they kind of there was a little bit in your mind. They thought they could swerve you. They could have Jericho win the title and give a rematch at Mania. But I think other than that's kind of the main thing I had for you because you think are they just going to stay the course or are they going to have it? have like Jericho win it but I think it was good because Punk was part of Punk's long reign and he became again one of the few champions to walk in with the belt and then walk out with it absolutely I, lo- I love the match as well because um, it led obviously to that huge Mania match and the best WWE match that I ever got to see live was in 2009 when Punk went against Jericho and I think it was at like Brayhead or something and so it was cool to see them then build all the way through this match to have Mania match as well yeah totally um Scott, what's, your, what's going to be your pick? What's going to you go for for a favourite chamber match? I was going to, I was tempted to say 
the, uh, the most recent one, one with Kofi and Brian at the end, but I think it's a bit too recent, so I'm going for one that I actually mentioned earlier on for kind of sentimental reasons, because it was one of the first Chamber matches I actually saw in full. It was from New Year's, Re- Re- New Year's Revolution, I keep getting confused with Resolution, New Year's Revolution 2005 for the vacant World Championship. You have Triple H, Batista, Randy Orton, Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, and Ez. <laughs> Just say the name. Just say the name, you know. Chris Benoit, and the referee is Shawn Michaels. The only time there's been a special ref yeah. in a chamber match. And they made big reveal of it, and everybody like, sold it, like because each one of them had in their own way their issues with Shawn Michaels. He had Edge who took exception to Michaels taking a spot in a world title match and then Edge came back and speared him that started his heel turn. I think it's just a collection of people you have in this match. you got former world champions, you got future world champions that led to Batista versus Triple H uh, planting the seeds there. Edge was just starting to like begin his like, proper heel run. He would go on to win Money in the Bank. I think it's just the way that all these guys came together. For this match and again it had the unknown factor of like Michaels, what would he do? Would he side with anybody? But I don't think that actually fit into it. Had the um moment we kinda of alluded to in the first half of the show with uh, the Triple H Batista mm-hmm. yeah. Orton moment, which I think uh, many people criticised WWE's failure for not doing the wee things. Mm-hmm. But back then that's a great example of a small thing that could have been completely missed, but they alluded to it so much, especially when they led up to that contract signing. I mean, we talked about Christian earlier on. There was a thing that people forget. We talked about Christian. Well, Sarah talked about Christian. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was a moment where, because New Year's Revolution to me was a weird pay per view, because it was in Puerto Rico for some reason. It was a weird mix of matches. Like, the opening match was the World Tag Team titles being defended by Eugene and William Regal against Christian and Tyson Tonko. That's money! And then <laughs> after, I'm saying, and then after the match, Edge tries to get Christian on his side and tries to convince Eric Bischoff, let Christian take my spot and I'll fight the winner tomorrow night. So I think it was a way of like Edge kind of selling the idea for Danger the Chambers that he didn't want to go into a match with all these factors against him. He wanted to fight a winner who would probably be Worst for wear the night 24 hours after going through an elimination chamber. Yeah, definitely. Back then, the elimination chamber was a staple of uh, New, Year's Revo- uh, New Year's Revolution for those first two years. Mm-hmm. And I thought, was, I thought it was a great choice for when they did it, but they eventually did shift it to February. Uh, quickly, before we talk about the other stuff, I'm going to quickly give you a couple of months that was between. I'm going to bookend them. Mm-hmm. Not actual Booker T bookend. <laughs> <laughs> the one we talked about in the first half at the start of the show, of course, the first elimination chamber. Yeah. You can't not talk about the first elimination first team. Ever. Yeah. Uh, but also, the one we've kind of alluded to at Parson, I really love last year's one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 2019 one. The one, the men's one. The women's one, the women's tag match is decent as well. <laughs> but the men's one had so many factors into it. I saw the video the other day of Samoa Joe's promo on SmackDown when he comes out and rips everybody to pieces. Yeah. Especially Jeff Hardy. <laughs> 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 so that kind of added the next element to that one, but. There was that, there was the gauntlet match that they did to kind of lead up to him and they eventually got into it. It was the start of Kofi Mania. Come on. Mm-hmm. You kind of that was the night I think the fans and the guys backstage thought we could make mm-hmm. an absolute bundle in WrestleMania with this one. Granted they did big at all with Kofi since he lost the belt, other than him getting that stupid haircut. <laughs> You talk about like having like multiple feuds going into a chamber match. You had Joe and Hardy teasing their things. This was kind of almost the beginning, shortly after this, of the build to AJV Orton that happened at WrestleMania, and then it came down to the people you wanted to come down to Brian and Kofi. 
because then people started remembering like oh yeah people remembered oh we love Kofi don't we like they for, people forgot how much they loved Kofi was, Kingston there was a point where uh, I love Brian's on top of the pod mm-hmm. and Kofi literally chases him uh, while George is standing underneath like <laughs> like <nope>. whatever <laughs> but no it's a fantastic chamber match one that I particularly love about it, it it was just I would love to have seen Mustafa Ali in there just from an athletic point of view but him being pulled from it putting Kofi in perfect bit of storytelling will he ever reach that height again no, I've, I've thought no. that ever since that I love Co- I love Kofi but that's his that's his pinnacle no that's no it. I meant Mustafa but it's the same for Mustafa Kofi Mustafa potentially has I think he could benefit from an NXT move probably mm, maybe personally but we've talked then I think there's a lot of people that could benefit Ooh, from abs- an NXT move absolutely so yeah. we've talked about some of the best chamber matches there though. we could talk a lot about the great chamber matches I think a lot more interesting is <laughs> we flip the spectrum and we talk about the worst one get it <laughs> sorry Rangers just won <laughs> <laughs> uh, such, such professionalism <laughs> I do not care uh, uh, Sarah let's go back to the worst chamber matches uh, what would you say what would you throw in there to the conversation of Austin chamber matches? I touched on it earlier, but it was the 2015 match for the Intercontinental Championship. Oh, I hate that one. It's oh, so bad. Exactly, where Mark the Henry... The both of them are so bad. Yeah, it's just where Mark Henry's pod breaks, and then he's like sort of chucked into the match early. You would think that with someone of Mark Henry's experience and tenure, that he would have been at least, at least know how to shoot a, a match at that point. But... Like I said, it is DZ, and I'm not going to name his full name because Quacko will kill me. Um, basically, carries that entire match, and it was just shambles. I, I just I missed that. What, why would that kill you? Because I was going to mention, mention DZ. Oh right. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> to be fair, in this particular, in this particular, been triggered. <laughs> in this particular spell, Dolph was actually red hot. He was six months off of that. Won the Survivor Series with Sting debuted, yeah. and capitalised on it, and did absolutely nothing with it. So, but you talk about Chris mentioned with the CM Punk one, it's kind of like this is your last barrier to Mania. This one felt like we have not a clue how to turn this new champion. Yeah. Let's try something. And it in terms of chamber matches, these were the two. The, these two chamber matches just sucked. <laughs> yeah. It always makes me wonder, like, because Rusev was originally meant to be part of that match. So it makes me wonder what would have happened if Rusev had actually been part of that. He should have won it, probably. <laughs> he, was in, he was in that particular match. You know, the man was two months off of coming into WrestleMania on a freaking tank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's why his spot was going to Mark Henry, and that's why I'm just like, eh. Was, am I right saying, was Sheamus and Wade Barrett in that match, or was it just they one They were of, both in that they match. They were both yeah. in that match. Because Tr- Truth was in that as well. Truth's in so many. <laughs> if, you, if you're one short for a chamber, apparently it's get Truth in. <laughs> No, well, that's what Truth does well. Because that, well, that was the one that Seamus basically held the pod shut using like his big cross necklace thingy. Mm-hmm. And like what I remember watching was that the the commentators never once picked up on like that that way that he was sort of keeping himself away from the entire match. Mm-hmm. Like they sort of perceived it as oh no, Seamus's pod is broken and he is now fixing it. <laughs> but it's, it was it's like the ultimate heel tactic. It's like if you're meant to come into the chamber. I remember Chris Jericho done it as well, trying to shut the chamber back again. Mm. It's like that's that ultimate heel move. Probably why they made the doors easier to shut. But like, the thing I was, the reason I was asking about those two is because you think about it, like uh, obviously Dolph had came off like a great run. He was still had momentum. He had 
Wade Barrett, who seemed to be the go-to guy for the IC title, like, we need, we'll try it with somebody, he's not working, get it back to Wade Barrett. And then you had Seamus, who has said he wants the IC title now to get that Grand Slam. He could have got it then and there, I think. Yeah, but then Ryback just seemed like a really logical solution. They decided, like, oh, we've tried everything with Ryback. It's just this one last-ditch attempt to have a thing with Ryback. He went to a weird feud with Big Show and Miz, and then, which they had to carry over to the next to SummerSlam because they were going to hit Battleground and then says oh yeah uh, Ryback's injured because <laughs> like we, if Miz or Big Show gets injured we can handle that it's just that oh yeah the champion the guy's actually defending the title can't show up yeah and then it's amazing to think that a year after this Ryback was gone from WWE uh, Daniel you got a bad one you want to throw in here I wonder how I'm surprised no one's mentioned this already go for it I can know you I think many people listening will know this it's at this little pay-per-view called December to Dismember. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> I probably would have mentioned this. <laughs> yes, December to Dismember. about swearing. Yeah, we did, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was the ECW pay-per-view, ECW's only pay-per-view that... For good reason. For good reason that even the company didn't really care too much about it. So, mm-hmm. Daniel, the difference between this year traditional elimination chamber was there was weapons on the wall it's meant to be great it's going to be I hard know. it's going to be extreme there were weapons. it was extremely boring yes <laughs> the weapons in the pod like we'll make it fun we'll make it something different like people will want to do this match in future no not really the thing like you had to start with your lineup. you had uh, just double checking your notes there thank Boy you Boyle Ashley Big Show Test Rob Van Damme CM Punk and Hardcore Holly who replaced Sabu as If Chris that Stella. does not say ECW, I don't know what will! <laughs> well, the, the thing about it, again we'll go to Chris because Chris's CM Punk love is great for this particular show by the looks of it. Um, CM Punk, Paul Heyman apparently made a big push, he mentions for Punk to eliminate the big show in this match and have a good run. Mm. A compl- uh, the complete opposite happened to CM Punk in this one which helped deflate the crowd I think. My defence of this match would be, right, take out the pay-per-view because the pay-per-view is nonsense. Take out ECW because ECW as a brand was nonsense. But just watch the Elimination Chamber match with those six wrestlers. I really enjoy it. Like, I think it put Bobby Lashley over properly. Um, and, Before you know, buried by Vince McMahon. Exactly. Yeah. There's <laughs> that. Again, forget about that. <laughs> but, like, it was in a time where, you know, WWE aren't great at making new stars and it kind of made Bobby Lashley a new star. And, and like, it was a shame for... CM Punk, obviously, and I think even Big Show was happy about oh, the the planned outcome. Big Show, well, Big Show kind of was. He took a break after that point. I think yeah. particular one. So I think he was kind of happy the belt was getting dropped from him. But I think probably last year was the first example of a that I can really remember from them for WWE champion that the fans did not want. Yeah, that's mm. that's very. It was ECW, obviously, yeah. but he was a champion. Yeah. The other side of it of it as well is like I think Test was in that match as well and I, I believed as well that Test could have been an ECW champion and so there was opportunity for a couple of different wrestlers I think even Hardcore Holly he was pretty on brand at that point with the massive you know the massive match where he messes up his back and it's just oh, like yeah. absolutely spewing blood for just like so he was hardcore in ECW through and through so Try me if you will. Go home, do your homework, and just watch this match on its own without all of the other stuff. I, I think it's not bad. Nah, you're good. <laughs> I remember. Can I say I, I'll take you up on that because 
again, this was a time when I had a break from wrestling, so I will have I said, although I know the wrestlers, but I don't know too much about them at that time, so I'll have fresh eyes if you like, so yeah, I'll take you up on that. I still don't really have a good reason as to why Sabu was taken out of it. Because he didn't like Sabu, probably alcoholic was a WWE guy. I just love that there was a period of time where people thought this and the feud that Lashley would go into with Vince McMahon was the worst thing he could possibly do in his career. As recent months have shown, he can get a lot lower. <laughs> yes. He Speaking can. of low, Scott, at the end, for you, are you going to throw in a? <laughs> <laughs> what was that meant to mean? <laughs> I beg your <laughs> Scott was going to throw in a bad match. <laughs> well, my idea, I originally, if I had went before that, I probably would have mentioned this as well because this chamber is just emblematic of everything wrong with WWE. Just that I think we can make it feel ECW if we just add the word extreme to everything. I think it was. I think what a lot of the fans of the ECW pro didn't like is. That one ECW guy mm-hmm. and Rob Van Dam <clears throat> was in the match. Sabu was an ECW guy as well. Him getting withdrawn for a hardcore Holly who, no disrespect to hardcore Holly, was WWE from about the mid 90s. Mm-hmm. He was WWE as WWE could get. So then you had Big Show, who was the champion. Bobby Lashley was kind of Vince's guy. So there was a lot of this that was, dis- that was disregarded. Um, Chris, do you have a match that's not been mentioned at all? Yes. And okay. we, well, we, well, we touched on it a bit in the first half. And um, I'm just going to get my guys up, but this this match bothers me so much. <laughs> so we're talking about the man who's managed to eliminate five guys in one match sure. and still not managed to win the match. Right. This was like peak of this man being so far too pushed, but I'm talking about 2018, 2018, sorry, when Roman Reigns just somehow won the Elimination Chamber match. <laughs> it also, there's another thing that I hate about the... Elimination Chamber match it's like the, the belt's not on the line because they've already got a main event for Wrestlemania so they have to do like Something a match else. to get to a match at the belt for Wrestlemania and I don't really like those matches because it's not it's not as good well, a, div- a match the best example of it is this current year where the Raw Women's cha- the, the Raw Women's match mm-hmm. is a match that's just been chucked in there where we all know Shayna's going to win it Shayna has yes. got the beef to, to be in it to mm-hmm. have the match with Becky but yet it's like let's put her in this match with Five other ones who we know are not going to win it. Let's be brutally honest, apart from maybe Asuka. Can I counter that? I get that bit of it, the Raw Women's Chat, but I do get the Elimination Chamber being used when the like when one or the other Royal Rumble winner has chosen who to go to. And it's purely because if you want somebody in that Royal, in that main event spot or whatever, a WrestleMania, then they have to See? go through mm-hmm. something grueling, like a Royal Rumble match or an elimination well, chamber to get there. Yeah, I get that. Chris has mentioned this match, which was won by Roman Reigns. A great example of where that match could work is this year on SmackDown. If they're going to have Roman fight for the title, Roman's yeah. got no legitimate yeah. beef other than fighting. The, he's fought Baron Corbin for God knows how many years, months, decades. Forever. Generations. So, in the beginning, there was Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin. So, I think that would work then. But, Chris, I think you're kind of. You should have pulled the trigger on Braun at this point. That's the thing. We went yeah. through so many periods of like. Braun being built up and built up and built up and then just getting his legs like swept out from under them. There was this. There was the him getting a doing off Lesnar for the belt when the belt was vacant. Whenever that was. Yeah. And that um, was a Saudi show. Yeah, the Saudi show I knew it was. It's Shane McCain best in the world. Like <laughs> the greatest moment ever. I was in the pub that day and I looked at my phone and I thought, that is this like app broke? Like I was like <laughs> Braun, it seems to be we've talked about it before, it seems to be he's built up and built up and then it just seems to be whenever WrestleMania 
he comes around like, we're going to slow you down a bit because he's been built up, he's been in new official team matches and lead up, he has the best performance in this match, teams were a child at Mania, and then continues to be pushed and pushed afterwards because he goes in and wins the first ever 50-man rumble. It just seems to be, we'll, have, we'll push you any time of year except WrestleMania. See, I think the, the issue with him as well is, obviously... Roman won it. A big issue as well is that Seth Rollins had a great performance as well. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of issues with that. But no, that's, a, that's an underrated one. I think it's a good choice for worst chamber match. But I think it's fair to say the two main hitters are the ones that covered Sarah mentioned Intercontinental title one and the guys mentioned ECW one, which Chris may get us to change our minds about. I will actually watch it when I get home and see if Chris is right. I bet yeah, I go home and watch it tonight and I'm like, nah, no, take it back. I, 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 one of the sad things about that match is seeing Big Show come out is that he, this is the biggest he's ever looked. He comes out with the yeah, ECW title. It looks like he's just taken a toy from the concession stand hmm. on his way to the ring and you wouldn't probably be able to tell the difference right. with the you size of it yeah. compared to him. Sabu wasn't in that match because Big Show ate him. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's joking. Yeah, right now. <laughs> that was also the night that Paul Heyman left WWE. Yeah, you get removed from power, essentially, yeah. because this pay-per-view sucked that bad. But that's kind of the matches we've had in the past for the Elimination Chamber. Now, for the final section of this show, we're going to kind of talk about how the future is going to kind of lay out for the Chamber matches. And I think it's a good point to start with Sarah, because Sarah, you are the proprietor of female wrestling, as many people online will realise. Because <laughs> uh, you're very vocal about voicing it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, um, they've had they've had the... They've had the women's match. Wo- Sorry, I'm just sitting going, is that the right meaning that I'm thinking of? But anyway. <laughs> You're an ambassador for female wrestling. Oh, thank you. Uh, they've had the women's matches before. Obviously, that's a big step. Yeah. Where can you see them kind of taking the women's matches a step further in terms of the chamber? I mean, I would really, really hope, like, because even though we know this year that Shade is most definitely winning it. Like, if she doesn't, it's going to be like the biggest shock, really, I think ever, anyone is ever going to see. It's not going to be a shucky-ducky-quack-quack moment, anyway. <laughs> but... <laughs> We're coming for you, Sigla! <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would like to see, probably, a little bit more storyline when it comes to the women, because, like, especially when they want that underdog story, the Elimination Chamber is the best one to go through. Because it was like the original point of it was like you had to get through this unbeatable force, but now it's just like, ah, crap! We've got one more month before WrestleMania. What can we do? Like that's exactly what it's feeling like. So I would like see. I did enjoy the first women's one, like when Alexa won. I think that was great. The women's tag team one when the Iconics really showed how great they were as a tandem tag team. Shame they haven't since. <laughs> Trust me, I know. <laughs> um, so I would, I would like to see maybe get the NXT girls in there as well. Mm. See, that's a very actually good point. Scott, I'll go to you in this one. Uh, Sarah's obviously mentioned the three best letters in WWE, not WWE. Top it, NXT. Do you think a logical next step is for NXT to start? Obviously, they've got War Games at Takeover. Do you think a logical step could be that this time next year that we see an NXT match? In the chamber, imagine the guys like Blumen, if they're still there. Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream, Johnny Argano. Finn Balor. Finn Balor. 
I could I could see that if, like, Chuck if you, Bronson read in there if you want because <laughs> if you have like in the future He's somebody great. from NXT won the Rumble you could work in a way to have an NXT style like elimination chamber I think the reason we probably won't see it for a while is because originally the story is that the elimination chamber was kind of an alternative to doing war games because mm-hmm. I think Triple H was a big proprietor for that but Vince decided to compromise and do the chamber and I remember now Triple H has war, games, war now. games now and I remember when they announced it that Twitter account Vince McMahon googling Patriot googling how to deal with a son-in-law who won't take no for an answer. <laughs> <laughs> so I would I would wouldn't say no to the idea because you got to think of the, the stars you've got like the likes of a Keith Lee or an Amco like how good they can do it in regular matches or in a war games and then you shut them into the chamber. I would like it to be like a multi-brand one because there's six people in the chamber, so two from NXT, two from Raw, two from SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Brand supremacy. I mean, well, they could easily make that a Survivor Series match. Well, here's something else I'll throw out, Daniel. Coming about you, this one. We've talked. I mentioned the names of NXT there. Big names. They've got the War Games one, which is their pinnacle feud. How would you feel if NXT was to kind of chuck a cruiserweight division into an elimination chamber match look at the names you've got in there Angel Garza Leo Rush Jordan, Jordan Devlin, Devlin Travis Banks even if you have a look UK yeah. guys that could be something different to help establish some new talent give them a platform because everyone's very used to the idea of most elimination chamber competitors being the heavy hitters so to instead have it as the high flyers the cruiserweights like obviously you're going to get like I don't know Angel Garza does a flip off one of the pods or something you'll get high action spots like that you might even get where it takes maybe two people to put somebody through a pod. Like it gives variety. It'd be something new, and I would not be opposed to seeing that. No, definitely not, uh, Chris. One of the things we've, met, we've touched upon in the show, in terms of what Sarah said about the women's match last year, and at that horrendous 2015 elimination chamber, <laughs> where they've experimented with tag team chamber matches, worked a bit better last year with the women's match. Didn't work so well when they first tried it out. Would you be on board for them giving them another shot for the tag teams in the future? Oh, absolutely. I, you know the women's tag team title match? I absolutely loved that. Mm-hmm. Was, the storytelling was great. Yeah. I, mm. I, I remember where I was. I was in Morrison's in Airdrie. Um, and I, it <laughs> was, oh, you poor boy. <laughs> I, no, because I didn't have any food in the house and I was hungover, so I went and got a fry up. Are you sure, <laughs> are you, sure you worked in Pizza Express and Wall Creek or something? <laughs> <laughs> for, for a moment, I thought you were going to say that you were in Morrison's and Airdrie as the pay-per-view was going on and you just no, got locked in the shop by accident. <laughs> <laughs> it was the next day, but you imagine, it's like 3am. Hello! No, um, yeah, that's where I was. I remember I was, I was very hungover and very happy to be eating and watching that. I loved um, the Iconics at the time, so they had a really good showing in that match. And uh, happy with the end result, and then happy with what that led to at WrestleMania as well. So yeah, I quite liked that match. Um, I think, Daniel, you know, I don't know if you said this on air, but you were talking about the, the concept of a six-man tag version of the Elimination Chamber match, yeah, which I think is a really good way of mixing up the match concept. Yeah, in the, in the video games, since... I can't remember if Here Comes the Pain had it when they first brought in the chamber match for the game, but they featured the idea of you doing a six-man tag team match inside the Elimination Chamber. So I think that'd be very interesting, because if they were, for whatever reason, wanting to still drag out Roman Reigns, Baron Corbin, the Usos, and whoever else is there, we won't name that person because he's horrible. We love you, Otis. Uh, like, if they wanted, they could have done a six-man Elimination Chamber match. Like, you have, mean like trios? Yeah. Trio teams, right? Yeah, so Sorry, like... I, I was confused what you yeah. meant six fans. Oh, so, like, I thought you meant like war game style where yeah, you've got... Yeah, so I mean... Yeah, okay, right. Yeah, so, trio, a trio, a yeah, trio. So say like, yeah. say like Jimmy Uso and Bobby Roode start the match, Roman and the others are all locked in the pod. 
Yeah, they, they, yeah, come yeah, out, yeah. they come out. And, they come out in spells, so you end up as a free on free. Yeah. So it's still six mm-hmm. people in the match, but it's free on free. Yeah. Of. So I think that yeah. I think that concept sounds pretty good, yeah. and I, I'd say give it like because the elimination chamber match as a concept has it's not been shaken up in a long time, well, m- yeah. with the exception of maybe that the tag team uh, women's tag team match. So it'd be good to see them doing something a bit new. Mm. Well, one variation they made Scott was in 2018 where they had the seven men mm-hmm. in that particular match. Do you think that worked? Should we do more? Should we have them in there? More of that? Or do you think they should just stick to six? I think there was a plan for Balor and Miz to do something with the IC title. Like on the show, I think it was maybe Balor Club versus Miz Taraj at the time was rumoured because they tried to put Balor back with Gallows and Anderson. I think when that fell through, they think, okay, let's put Balor in the chamber and they had to convolutely find a way and make it seven guys. I think it worked for the time because you got three guys starting instead of uh, instead of two. So it was interesting at the time. I don't know if I'd really want to see it again. I mean, in terms of just throwing quickly out, would you be on board if they tried the Extreme Chamber again? No. No. <laughs> yes. If they, I would think if they like worked it in a different way, maybe, then, because you never know, I mean, the Ambrose Asylum match was quite fun. I mean, it kind of devalues the Chamber in a way, because the Chamber itself is meant to be one big weapon, like, much like the Hell in a Cell. I would put spikes on the walls. Put them on the doors, put thumbtacks all over the doors. The Punjabi Ooh. Prison Elimination Chamber Hell in a Cell match. <laughs> moving away from... <laughs> Everything all together. Moving idea from Bad Grape. Moving away from, this, <laughs> away from the Saw world that Sarah seems to be living in right now. I like my wee world. <laughs> like, I don't like the idea of doing the, the weapons because like, you're thinking, oh, this chamber's maybe the most dangerous structure they've got. And they're saying, well, ah, oh, well, we've done everything we can. Now we need, it's not dangerous anymore. We need... Put well, weapons in. You say about making it dangerous, they've actually kind of minimised the danger in recent years. They're kind of the steel sheets outside are now a oh. lot more safe and everything's a lot better for that one. So I think they're kind of taking a lot more concern yep. with the wrestlers' uh, health. Quickly before we finish up, I've got one question I'm going to ask you on. It's one that I ask quite a lot in my in all these type of shows that I do. The elimination no, we don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to ask that question. I know the answer. <laughs> Absolute love. Uh, <laughs> Should they to help build back up the Elimination Chamber match again? Should they put it, not have it as a standalone pay per view itself? Daniel, I would much rather it be brought out for special occasions, so I would get rid of the Chamber pay per view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all know that I'm not the biggest fan of certain gimmick pay per views, so I would completely agree and say get rid of the gimmick pay per view behind it and just bring it out for when it's actually you know worthwhile, mm-hmm. not just because they need a match on the way to WrestleMania. Chris, I'm interested to see what you think, because you're quite big on that. You like that idea? Well, I'm, I'd like to slightly spin it on its head. I'd, I wouldn't mind it being kept as a pay-per-view, but I wouldn't have it where it is now. I'd move it to a different part of the year when, you know, WWE are just getting humped by NFL and everything else that's going on in the American television world. Mm-hmm. Like, there's much more scope for this to be literally any other month of the year. Like, between, between the Rumble and Mania... It, your storylines are almost already set yeah. after the Rumble anyway. The so. worst part about this year's one is Saudi pay-per-view as well. Exactly, so exactly. It's, it's just, they're just all convoluted. Quacko, uh, you agreed yes. with Christmas in there? Exactly, spot on, because I, I don't... I don't cause see what you're saying, oh, get rid of it. Like, I get that point, because the, mm-hmm. like that sticks for me 100% with a hell in the cell. But at the same time, do you then say, no money in the bank, that should be kept for a special occasion and stuff? Yeah. Because it's hard to kind of get a story all the time for six people you can just shove them in have war done I think when it comes to money in the bank that's a different situation because like it's the pay-per-view built around that gimmick and like they do 
very specific matches because that can go from the whole year. Whereas I think Elimination Chamber, they've just sort of went crap. We've still got the March pay per view to do. It's sort yeah. of like it's sort of like Fastlane or Battleground or something like that. Like it's just like the road to WrestleMania, and you're just like it's supposed to be the road yeah. to WrestleMania, but this is like cellophane. Uh, that's where I agreed with Chris when he yeah. changed the time. Yeah, because there's always a storyline to be told. Sorry, uh, there's, o- there's always a storyline to be told that doesn't need a chamber. Like, who, who, oh, who did you eliminate second last before winning the Rumble? Fight them. There, there. that's your headline match. Scott? I would get as you with a couple of people's thoughts and that I'd keep it where it is because I think it's one of the few gimmick matches that suits the placement of the pay-per-view because I think as last year proved with uh, Kofi, when you've got like one, two world champions and two women's champions, and the Rumble sorts one of your matches. I think if, as long as the result, like that, at Mania is not predictable, you can have a storyline like Kofi, where you can perfectly set up a match for Mania using the Elimination Chamber as you, to your advantage and not just bring it out just because it's that month. See, I would maybe keep the pay per view potentially, but I quite like the idea of it not being as predictable. I don't mind it getting shifted about every mm-hmm. now and again. You can maybe chuck it in in the Mania season if you're going to use it, but if there's years, it's just going to be a throwaway. It's like this year looks yeah, like it don't could use it just because it's there. This year could potentially be a throwaway. Well, with Unless, the raw women's with the raw one anyway. That's yeah. a, that's the one officially announced. Of the, there's talk at the SmackDown one's going to be a, the SmackDown mm. women's going to be a chamber as well. That's a bit more unpredictable, so that could work a lot better. But I think we all agree that the chamber match has still got its place mm-hmm. in WWE. Oh yeah, come day with its flashy LED lights <laughs> oh, oh yeah <laughs> and so with that I think that's a good place to close off this particular episode of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet where we've came across and talked about the greatest worst and just general favourite moments in general of the Elimination Chamber match so we're now going into March where we're officially hitting Wrestlemania season yay show some excitement there's a Scott in the main event yay <laughs> so Stay tuned to us at Eatsley Suplex Retweet. We'll be doing so much coverage of WrestleMania. We've got a couple of shows on the main feed at the end of the month and in the week leading up to WrestleMania, we'll be doing our usual WrestleMania f- coverage where we're combining the main feed with our extra feed like a perfect blend. <laughs> <laughs> like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be doing loads of WrestleMania coverage there. We'll get loads coming up in store, which we'll be announcing over the next few weeks. Closer to now, We've got next week's show, which is Best Errors of Wrestling, hosted by our favourite Kerman. It's Derek, of course. The only man who lived through the 80s is going to be on that particular show. (laughs) (laughs) So stay tuned next week to hear them talk about the Best Errors of Wrestling, which sees the return of the goat to the main feed. Yay! Just so, me? Okay. So stay tuned for that. And oh, I'm happy. Because <laughs> Derek's hosting, he makes things easier for you. Yeah, De- I love Derek. I He's love Derek. Less said about Gary, the better. No, I love Gary too. You're oh. the only one. No. Well, maybe I'm man. His mum's debatable. <laughs> she's man, I can see it. Uh, I'd like to thank my panel, first of all, yet to have a sh- feature show on the, fe- on the extra feed, Daniel Campbell. Thank you very much. Oh, he's uh, a supporter of Alba Gugraps. Yes. Alba Gugraps for life, bro. Come on. Yes. You can be, you can be Alba our Alba Gugraps co-host. Yes. Sarah. Christian for Hall of Fame 2020. Are you going to talk about that in the next Alba Gugraps show? Oh, no, because Christian's not Scottish. You'll find a way. 
If you guys want to read my article on why Christians should be in the Hall of Fame, go to suplexretweet.com and read my article. I will get you a photo of him wearing a Scotland strip. Christian <gasps> for Hall of Fame. <laughs> that is the most ambitious and... Yeah. Uh, anyway. Co-host of the Monday Night Rewind, Chris Murray. Thanks for having me on. Episode 7, we recorded it just before this podcast. I give abuse to Jerry Lawler because he bad-mouthed the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Stay tuned to find it. Fair enough. <laughs> Co-host of Saturday Draft Live, East Meets Sweats and the Power Trip, Scott McLeod. Yes, uh, next episode of East Meets West will come out in the next day or so. And it was recorded before the coronavirus messed up New Japan schedule for next month. And Daniel, if you're wanting to appear on a Suplex Retreat Extra show, you can join. We can put you on the waiting list for guests on Saturday Draft Live, the show that people kind of try to downplay. But the fact everybody seems yes. to want to be on it. Gary Kernan appearing on it this Saturday. Yes, that that draft, which uh, if Daniel was on that show, you could talk about how he's going to make Keith Lee's captain, even though Keith Lee's been his captain for three weeks. <laughs> I would go on the show, but I prefer Albuquerque Grabs. So stick that up your elimination chamber. <laughs> <laughs> you did to me. And it's also draw for life. Quacko Addy. I'll be a good ass co host. How can I follow that? <coughs> you can't, and on that note, Daniel, you're one. We found our one. Orange Cassidy. Yes. Well, no, Iron Cassidy. Oh, I, yeah, he's Iron Cassidy. I've been Stephen Wilson, who does a lot of stuff. I, that says so much <laughs> retweet. <laughs> I, you get about, don't you? And this also draw for life. We'll see you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet now proudly presents Suplex, Retweet, Extra! Get bonus content on WWE, AEW, NXT, WCW, Scottish and World Independent Promotions! Subscribe now on Spotify, Apple, and Android podcasting sites, as well as YouTube. Head over to suplexretweet.com now!